0: Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. Welcome to The Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you today. I hope it's a payday for you, for you bi-weekly wage earners. I hope today is the direct deposit day for you, probably already enjoying a uh, a nice breakfast, or perhaps a, uh, a nice coffee on your way to work. How about that? So uh, it's a great weekend uh, for Mississippi State. Big night last night, the NFL draft in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We'll get into some of that. We've got a big weekend coming up with the University of Georgia. Kind of a um, get right or get left weekend for Mississippi State. I mean, State obviously, uh, you know, three games back with uh, what four weekends left. You know, and so this is one that, uh, you know, State's got to make up some ground. Georgia's kind of the front-running team right now. Some developments with that pitching rotation, out of Athens that should impact the weekend. That's big. That, that That's really big. We'll break into the, some of that as well. And that uh, just kind of get you ready for what to expect for uh, these next couple days in baseball as well as the NFL football draft. want to thank our fine sponsors, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie at Campus Bookmark. They are there to serve you because uh, they will treat you like family because they see you as family. When you're in town, we encourage you to go by Find the latest in maroon and white fashions, the latest in novelty items for your home, your RV, your pet, your office, whatever. You can get it there. And if they don't have it, they get it for you. That includes uh, any, any shirts for any sports that you're interested in. You can find that right there at Campus Book Mart. And maybe if you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day shopping is difficult for you to do, go to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code to use to save you a little cash. That code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And yes, you heard that correctly. For all you girls in Marion County that broke my heart years ago, Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And any order less than $50 absolutely incomplete. So, huge night for Mississippi State football and uh, kind of an emphatic statement. There was there, a lot of discussion throughout, you know, the pre-draft workouts and all the mock drafts and the the thing that I have learned about life, outside of Joe Lenardi's early bracketology, there's nothing there's nothing more inaccurate than, than mock drafts. And we, and we all love them. We love looking at them and talking about them. But there's never any accountability with any of that. There's never anybody come back and say, hey, you know, you guys did this and And then we'll be right back doing the same thing next year. You know, they'll be right back, look at the mock drafts, because the NFL draft is much different in recruiting. You know, in recruiting, it's the player doing the picking. But, uh, you know, as a player, you don't really get a say in where you end up as an NFL player in the draft. You may get some say when you're a free agent, but uh, when you're being courted by others. But but we look at those mock drafts, and so just about every – mississippi state first round guy that had had a grade on him where there there was any combination of the three i think most people agree that montez sweat would be the first bulldog taken and then abram and and uh simmons would go later in the round and some folks even had abram going in the uh, in the second round which is not unheard of you know for a uh for a safety uh but all that said mississippi state gets three first rounders very, very emotional moment with uh, Jeffrey Simmons going going first and uh, being selected by the Tennessee Titans. And uh, very, very nice ovation for him there in Nashville. The uh, Hell State Productions team was there, and uh, we were able to see the moment when Jeff Simmons gets the call informing him that he will be the first-round selection of the Tennessee Titans. Like the rest of you, very, very disappointed in the production decisions that ESPN took to, uh, to show the video the unfortunate incident that happened in Macon following Jeff's senior season before he enrolled at Mississippi State. Uh, I was actually watching the NFL Network because I find their their uh, commentary to be much better. And Sometimes it appears they uh, have a little more insight than the other networks, but uh, very disappointed because of the fact that uh, I am a person that believes in second chances. And I think, uh, as, and I tweeted last night, that uh, I, I'm very, very grateful as checkered as my past was uh, prior to getting clean and sober a couple of years there that uh I wasn't the best friend to have but uh, but all that being said I'm very very grateful to have grown up in the era that I did there's a few reasons why number one I got to see all the cool bands in person you know I got to see Motley Crue and Rat and Ozzy Osbourne and all those great bands of the 80s that uh kind of making a uh, triumphant return here. But also, too, I'm grateful that I didn't grow up in the smartphone era. Now, I will admit today that the kids are probably a little more savvy, make probably some better decisions than we did, you know, back in the day. But I'm unbelievably grateful that the worst decision of my young life, at 18 years of age, was not videoed and then sent out on a viral video around the country. And then it haunted me for the remainder of my life. I'm not going to sit here and defend a situation or excuse a situation. I'm not, not going to do that. That's all well documented. My my feelings on the matter are well documented. But to bring that back up and to not show a single highlight, if that's the video clip of Jeff Simmons, it's it's disrespectful. It is. It's absolutely disrespectful. Because the entire time that Jeff Simmons has been here in Starkville, he has been a model citizen. He has been a great ambassador for Mississippi State. He has been an honor roll student. He has been involved in every community outreach program that mississippi state football has had without question without reservation he has taken all the steps necessary to reform his image and it was an, an isolated incident not consistent with his character and what's interesting if you if you go ahead and talk to those guys even even the guys all miss recruiting guys they'll tell you that uh, that incident was not consistent with what they knew before or after about jeffrey simmons and most old miss people will kind of slant things in their direction there are a lot of almost people that would lie even if the truth was better. But, uh, but I digress. But this situation here, anybody that had any interaction with Jeffrey Simmons or Coach Tyrone Shorter or anybody involved with Knoxville County football will tell you what a great guy he was, how strong his work ethic was, and how strong his character was. And then you have this situation that happens it's not consistent with his character. And then to have somebody ruin what should have been the best night of his uh, young life it's very disappointing, and I think that the uh, the backlash that ESPN has received over that uh, production decision is is warranted. But here's the best part about that, and I'm sure at some point there will be you know the, I know there was a civil suit filed years ago. I'm sure that'll be that'll be settled, and they'll move forward, and Jeff will be able to put that part of this saga behind them. and and there will be some people out there on social media because social media oftentimes brings out the worst in us that every time there's a problem with Jeff or there's, you know, Jeff has a bad day or something, somebody will bring that up. You know, that's that's something that's going to haunt him. But by and large, now that Jeff is in the club, he is in the fraternity, he is in the NFL, now it'll be about what he does on and off the field as a man rather than what he did as an 18-year-old. He can kind of begin to close the door on all that. And good for him. And again, it's a situation that never should have happened. It never should have happened. And uh, I had a discussion when all that happened years ago, and I won't rehash the whole thing. But there are some people that I will say in the uh, in the media that I am very grateful are not members of my family. And what I mean by that is they they would have sit, they they'll sit there and let me get beat to death. They will just simply stand there and watch. Uh, as, I'm, as I'm beaten to death. So, But be that as it may, it is a new day for Jeff Simmons, and he can begin to kind of move forward with his professional life and a uh, very, very deserving young man. He goes before Montez Sweat, which uh, I think that's probably maybe the surprise if you're a Mississippi State guy, because I think most people had Montez Sweat going in the top ten, and there were some players of lesser ability that were taken uh, ahead of Montez, and I'm, I'm confident and Ian Rappaport broke that yesterday. Ian Rappaport, former Mississippi State beat writer for Declaring Ledger, now with the NFL Network, does a great job. Love, Ian. Ian broke the news yesterday that uh, Montez Sweat's heart condition had been misdiagnosed. And it cost him millions of dollars when it's all said and done. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that he has a, a, you know civil litigation or anything, but uh, with all that being said, I think the news of that our initial report being labeled erroneous was too late to kind of remedy Montez's situation because I think a lot of people had him in the top ten. And then when this Hart situation kind of uh, emerged, I think there were some people that said, okay, well, we're not going to spend a first-round pick on him. So they had already made their contingency plans to take somebody else. And then on draft day, all of a sudden, the narrative changes. And I think it was just it was too late to kind of disengage and reevaluate and kind of recalibrate the draft process. And so he drops to the Washington Redskins. And it's so, you know, pe- people talk about, oh, it's a free fall. Listen, anybody that's taking the first round is going to get a ton of money. You know, it's uh, you know financially there's, there's a little bit of, a uh, you know, that initial contract. But uh, it's that second there, that extension or that second contract that, that kind of gives you the, you know, the money you can retire on. But all that being said, Preston Smith leaves Washington to go to Green Bay. And they replaced him in the first round with Montez Sweat. So it's like bulldog for bulldog type of interaction there. And so happy for both of those guys. But uh, Montez, very, very happy for him. Uh, happy things worked the way they did for him at Mississippi State. And it's one of the things, too, that I was disappointed with last night. And there's so many people that um, I don't know if you fully appreciate. These NFL investigators – Okay, these guys are like the KGB in many respects without, without the, uh, the violence. These people are hired to protect a franchise. and so they're going to talk to everybody. And so if you in, in your lifetime, this is why I could never be drafted. I mean, Don't forget the fact that I'm you know, I'm too old and, and, and unskilled, but uh, if you have, like if you were ever at a party, at a place where at some point a joint had been smoked, that's going to be known. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things. We saw that with Fred Smoot. You know, when Fred came out, you know, Fred was at a party, and while Fred didn't test positive, he was at a party where, where there was, like, a joint found in a couch cushion or something, and Fred dropped from the first round to the second. And so these people are charged with protecting an organization, protecting a franchise, and so they're going to go out there before they invest millions of dollars, and they're going to turn over every rock. They're going to talk to every ex-girlfriend. They're going to talk to every friend. They're going to look at every social media you're posting. They're going to do it all because these are millions of dollars. This isn't you know, as expensive as a college scholarship is. When, when you're investing millions of dollars in a first-round draft pick, you better be right, and not just from an athletic standpoint, from a character standpoint. From an evaluation standpoint, on and off the field, you have to be correct. It's like if you if you miss on a quarterback in college, you've got, you have got you can remedy that the next year. You can hit a juco ranks or whatever. But you start missing on first-round draft picks that you're investing millions of dollars in as an NFL executive, uh, you'll be doing something else pretty quickly. And so some things kind of bubbled up late with Montez. And listen, you know, Montez Sweat didn't just leave Michigan State because he missed home. You know he it didn't work out you know and so some of that kind of came up yesterday and that's one of the things you look at and you say okay well listen let's say he had a bad experience at east lansing he's grown up a lot since then he goes to colin he has a good season there uh, under a great coaching staff comes to mississippi state exemplary as a student here and then uh, you know something comes up yesterday and it shows you how silly stuff can get they say, well They say he stole a bicycle while he was a student here, and then of course that's explained away. It was all a big misunderstanding. But that just goes to show you the links and the depths of these pre-draft evaluations and investigations into people. That something like that, you know, because listen, there's so many silly things that happen when you're in college, and I don't just mean you know you know things that are important, you know, I mean just little bitty things. That pop up, you know, like, well, you know, he, he borrowed somebody's bike without telling or, or something along those lines. I don't know all the details behind that, so I'm not, I'm not trying to recount that. But something as simple as that can become life-changing. And that there's a lesson to be learned from that, you know, for young people to understand that, you know, especially if you're a person that uh, is looking to push ahead and be a part of something major and be a part of a professional franchise, that you have to keep your nose clean. But some of that comes up, you know, it does. It's just, It's just the reality of things I mean, you think those things shouldn't matter. you think, oh man, well, you know it's, it's about winning. you know I just want to go sign the guys that'll help me win and, and certainly that's a big part of the equation, but you know, nobody's going to go invest millions of dollars in a bad actor or a guy with a bad character. That's just not the way things work. It's just not and uh, so we mentioned those guys and Jonathan Abrams and all the, another, another transfer guy, part of that great junior college hall that State had a couple of years ago uh, and, and some people were saying well, you know this guy might have had some issues too. There, there's no issues with John Abram. John Abram graduated, I think, in the top five of his high school class at East Marion High School. He was able to graduate early and enroll early at Georgia, started as a freshman. Jeremy Pruitt leaves Georgia, and, and Jeremy was the guy who recruited Jonathan Abram to Georgia. He was his position coach. So Pruitt leaves, and so... It's not the same place anymore, so Abram leaves too, goes to Jones County Junior College, has a great year down there, and uh, was highly recruited by Alabama, LSU, and others. And then he ends up at Mississippi State with all of his friends, with all those guys that he went through the recruiting process with, Jamal Peters, Mark McLaurin, Leo Lewis, others. And so he ends up at Mississippi State and then is taken uh, with one of three first-round draft picks by the Oakland Raiders. And I'm doing some memory, but it looks like the Raiders are going to have, what, four of the top 35 picks in a draft. That's a, that's a way to get healthy in a hurry. It's a young talent there. And I enjoyed the interaction with John Gruden and Jonathan Abram. Where Gruden says he's going to be calling plays uh, to light Abram up, and Abram went right back at him. You know, Jonathan Abram is, uh, is just kind of cut differently. There's just a leadership quality with him. And I read the tweet yesterday, in case you missed it, that um, – one of the uh, NFL reporters tweeted out that uh, one of the things that made Abram different than others is he showed up to every meeting with a sports coat on and treated it all as a job interview, and he asked about school districts and things of that nature. You know, there are a lot of guys out there that are looking to spend that signing bonus on, you know, buying their mama cars. and listen, I'm not, not knocking any of that. I think when, when when you have had nothing and you can reward those people who gave you everything of themselves... That is a wonderful thing, and I never get tired of watching those videos. It's kind of like the, the, the videos of the soldiers coming home, you know, and I, I could watch it all day. Yeah. More of that if we can get it. But Jonathan Abram is looking long-term. Jonathan Abram is married with a child, he, and, and she's one of two twins, one passed away. So he is a very mature 21-year-old. This is a guy it has been a few places and done a few things from my hometown. Very, very proud of him. But uh, he is a guy that will go out there to Oakland, and uh, he will bring some value to that organization, and not just on the football field. He will be a great ambassador for them. Uh, so excited to see all those guys get their just due. Today will be, you know, probably could have a couple guys go today. We expect Elton Jenkins to go uh, in a second round, and uh, the second round will begin at 6 p.m. Central. We'll be at Duty Noble Field getting ready to uh, – to enjoy some Diamond Dog baseball, but uh, we'll be keeping up with the draft there. But, uh, you know, several other guys out there. Jamal Peters is a guy that we expect to go. Pro- I-, I suspect Saturday will be the next big day for Mississippi State. Of course, you know, three first round draft picks. Uh, that's a school record for Mississippi State. So we've already had our night. Now it's about building our depth. And so uh, I think Elton goes today, and then tomorrow, you'll, you know, I think Jamal Peters uh mark mcglory gary green i guess could go today we'll, we'll see but uh, you know we look for gary green uh cory thomas possibly braxton hoyette chris rayford some of those guys you know we've got three guys in could see four or five more drafted and you'll have some more guys go to camp you know I, I, the nick fitzgerald thing is interesting to me because i think i think nick is a professional athlete uh, and kind of where where he falls uh in this draft and where people kind of project him i think is rather interesting so but yeah, it'll be. It'll, it'll, there's a lot to keep up with. There have been some years in our lifetime where we've had you know one, two guys drafted, you know. So to be one of the headlines of uh, Friday night is big, you know. probably Thursday night, just because of the fact we had three first-round draft picks, as did Alabama and Clemson. I don't think anybody expected uh, Mississippi State to be mentioned in that company, and so that leads us to this whole conversation. And uh, before I do that, let me remind you guys too. Bulldog Burger Company is the place to break bread, Stark. But when you're in town, love Bulldog Burger Company. It is the Robertson family restaurant of choice. There are so many new specials there, and and in the summer they're gonna they're gonna shake some things up. The summer, you know, they'll have some new things. The students won't be in town, so to keep us regulars kind of coming back, they're gonna shake things up a little bit. And you, you, know, you always could get those great shakes. That's one of the things I think it's really cool about there. You get the shake to go for your dessert. You know what I'm saying? But uh, the mission. I know there's some people in our family, it's kind of like give me the mission or give me death. They, they would pick that burger every single time. One of the great delicacies in life is a great restaurant quality hamburger, and that's what you're going to get every time at Bulldog Burger Company. So when you're in town, we encourage you to go by. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District within a walking distance of the junction. We encourage you to go by. Let those folks serve you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So there's this discussion that pops up every now and again. And it happened on the jeanspage.com message boards last night. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things we let people kind of talk and and, uh, it it kind of gets out of hand sometimes. But uh, it's like, well, it's a tough pill to swallow to have three first-round draft picks and lose five games last year. Okay, well, here's the deal. Number one, we have beat that horse to death. Nobody involved with Mississippi State football, from Joe Moorhead down to the trainers to – uh, you know, the, the fine folks that work in facilities management that, that change the trash liners, there in the SEAL football complex. There is nobody affiliated with Mississippi State football that is satisfied with last year's on-the-field results. Doesn't mean we had a bad year. It just means we didn't live up to what we expected. But that has nothing to do with the NFL draft. That has nothing to do with Thursday night's three first-round draft picks. And there are some people, and you've heard the expression, that uh, there are some people that can find, you know, the the one gray cloud and a clear blue sky, and that's kind of what that's about. It's like, well, yeah, we had these three first-round draft picks, and how great it is for our program to show these guys can come in here and and uh, and and achieve their dreams and and be the first selections for for their franchises. That should have been the conversation, but instead we've got to find a way to be miserable. We we have to we have to drag that old tired topic out. He so, said, well, you know. I know that I should be happy for these guys, but I want, to, I want to sit here and pout and suck my thumb a little bit because we should have won more football games last year. And yes, you're right, but we have already talked about this ad nauseum. Not to mention that the central point of the draft is to celebrate the accomplishments of these players that we have pulled for, for two to three years. So, so we should allow our joy in that moment to be diminished because we lost a couple of football games we shouldn't last year, I, I'm just not going to buy into that. I, I'm not going to buy into it. I'm going to call that stuff out because I think it's ridiculous. And I wish that sentiment could be driven out of our fan base forever. I am not a Pollyanna, contrary to popular belief. And, and if 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 you're ever a, if you know if you know my close friends, I don't I don't I've got a real tight circle. Uh, but if you're ever if you ever talk to anybody that truly knows me, that they will tell you I, I am very hard on the Bulldogs because I expect so much more from the Bulldogs. Not because I love being miserable, but there are other people out there, it's like we are, we're going to forecast failure and we cannot wait for something to go wrong to validate our own feelings of inferiority. And again, I say, rest your insecurity somewhere else. The fact that we, if, if, if you cannot enjoy the fact that Mississippi State had three first-round draft picks last night, if you can't enjoy that, the problem is not Mississippi State. The problem is you. You are your own problem. Because, I, you know, probably that drive home from Tampa after losing the Outback Bowl, you know, I kind of seethed the whole way back because it was a missed opportunity. I hated losing to them, thought we were by far the better team, and we blew it. We absolutely blew it. But you know what? That's over with. We have had spring football since then. We have had two signing days since then, plenty of things to get excited about. Now we've had draft, but instead of us being able to enjoy all that, let's go back. Let's go back. And so I'm sure that's something that we're going to deal with for probably the next six months because some people absolutely refuse to be happy for themselves or anybody else. And I just choose not to be a part of that. I'm just not going to entertain that. And so I think it's important that as a fan base collectively – Even if you're one of those people, like if you're, well, it's just, I know nothing's ever going to work out for us. Even if that's how you feel, can we not sit that aside this weekend and just celebrate the accomplishments of these young men that we have cheered for for the last few years and see them be able to go take care of their families? And listen, some of these people are going to change their family tree forever. They're going to change their family tree forever. There's some of these guys, they're the first person in their family to graduate college. They're the first person in their family to get out and go accomplish something of notoriety. And so rather than focus on what happened, let's focus on what is to come. And let's focus on the fact that these young men elected to come to Mississippi State and they changed their lives. And they changed the lives of the people that care about them. That should be our focus. Not on the fact that Osiris Mitchell dropped the pass against Florida. That that's that, you know, he's had spring football to kind of correct that. Okay? That's got nothing to do with Jeff Simmons. That's got nothing to do with John Abram. It's got nothing to do with Dion Calhoun, right? Let's put that behind us. Onward and upward. Read that a few times over the years. Onward and upward. Let's focus on what is ahead. I'm not saying we forget the past, but we learn from it. We we build on it. But right now, let's, put a, let's just kind of you know, put a pin in that, as they say, and focus on what is. And right now, Mississippi State is putting together a record NFL draft. I also read with uh, was great interest some of the, uh, the glee from some Mississippi State fans about Ole Miss not having guys drafted in the first round. And listen, it's a rivalry, and that, that's always going to be the case. But uh, I, I am not a person that wishes ill on most players, especially once they're done you know, at Ole Miss. Like, uh, you know, I I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan before I even knew what college football was as a kid. Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, L.C. Greenwood, Mel Blunt, the whole group loved them. They were my heroes growing up. And so I want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers win. And so if A.J. Brown gets drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, I will not go out and buy an A.J. Brown jersey, but I will cheer for him like I have cheered for every play. Mike Wallace was there. I cheered for Mike. Mike was the, my favorite Ole Miss Rebel of all time. And then he left, and I quit caring about him. It's it's a very, you know, it's, it's a one-sided relationship for me. You know, i got to get something out of the deal, you know, when it comes to the Steelers. But all that being said, you know, I, I don't take any glee in the fact that, uh, you know, these young men, you know, I, I think most people expected uh, these guys to go first or second round. And so... I see some of our fans kind of celebrating that. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit unfortunate, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, one of those deals where I think we can kind of put all that behind us. You know, I think once they're done at Ole Miss, and listen, listen, I, I warned us to have more first-round draft picks taken, certainly, especially when uh, the narrative for all of my life has been that Ole Miss out-recruits Mississippi State every year. Oh, we get the best kids, uh, but they don't. And the uh, the win-loss record shows that, and now the NFL draft shows that. But uh, but all that being said, uh, you know I want all these guys to have an opportunity to go do something. And uh, I think in the end of the day, it's uh, I don't want them to do as well as the state guys. I mean, I'm still a state guy. But but all that being said, yeah, you know, I can only imagine DK Metcalf going to the draft last night and how excruciating that had to be, and to sit there and sit there and sit there. there were, listen, there were some mock drafts that had DK Metcalf going as high as four to the Raiders. And there were only two wide receivers taken in the first round, and uh, D.K. Metcalf wasn't there. And, but he was there. Matt Luke is there. A lot of you know people that care about D.K. Metcalf are there. And to have to sit there and sit there and sit there and see names come off the board and then to see the first wide receiver taken, which you, I think everybody agreed that uh, Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma, Hollywood Brown there, they, everybody expected him to go first with the first receiver taken. But to see Metcalf fall out of the first round, uh, I can't say it's a total surprise because you know his 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 change of direction. He's a great straight line runner with a freakish catch radius, but he's also had some injuries. There's there's some risk there. But as a human, I think when you look at that, regardless of what side of the stadium you sit on on Thanksgiving night, when you look at that and think about you know this is. That kid got up yesterday morning thinking, man, this is the day that changes everything in my life. And listen, he's going to sign a you know, huge contract. But he went to bed last night not any, anywhere closer to that dream. And I, I think that when you look at it in those terms, you begin to think, you know, I, if what if that were me? What if that was somebody that I loved or cared about? Uh, you'd feel a lot differently. And so... I just think I think once those guys graduate, you know, and and you can pull against them all you want, but I think when it comes to matters like this, when it comes to the draft, it just to me it comes off a little tacky, you know, to wish ill on uh, on on people, you know, trying to make a a living for themselves and change their lives and see their dreams come true. I mean, I, I you know, listen, I never wanted DK Metcalf to catch a pass when he was at Ole Miss ever, and and that's not about DK Metcalf. It's just because I I just did didn't did want to see. Uh, you know Ole Miss win football games but all that being said you know now that he's done at Ole Miss you know listen man go get it done kid you know and so uh, A.J. Brown I think most people expected him to be a second possibly third round guy you know my the Steelers don't have a second round pick but I'd love for A.J. Brown to be there and then you know I've seen some people say Greg Little may be a Saturday selection Uh, so all that being said You know, Ole Miss is going to have some guys picked. We're going to have some other guys picked. Everybody's going to have a lot to feel happy about. But as of right now, the winners of this draft, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Tied for most players taken in the NFL draft in the first round. Mississippi State, a clear winner on draft night. Let's get into baseball. We're going to be back at Duty Noble Field tonight and uh, ready to get it done. I want to remind you guys, too, matinee baseball Saturday and Sunday. We're a noon start on Saturday and 1 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, we'll get out there tonight. And we'll enjoy and, uh, an opportunity to play the University of Georgia. Big news yesterday. Huge news yesterday, as it was announced that Emerson Hancock will not start. Will not start for Georgia. He is uh, among the nation's best pitchers. 1.4 ERA. Oh, Party I'm in the conference here. Let me let me let me toggle over there. Uh, Emerson Hancock, 1.04 ERA with a .70 whip, 7-2 ranking, 10 starts, 1 complete game, uh, 69 innings pitch, nice, 33 hits, allowed just 8 earned runs on the year, 77 strikeouts to 15 walks, only allowed 9 extra base hits. Opponents are hitting a cool, crisp 143 against him. We will not see him this weekend. And I have seen some people that have come out and says, "We, well, you know, I really hate that. I really hate that. I wanted to beat them at their full strength. Let me let, me, let, me guys let you in a little, some, little secret here. You know, 20 years from now, when they pull the box score out, it's not going to matter who played. And I don't care if Georgia plays with eight. I just want to win the series. You, you understand what I'm saying? And I don't care if they got to trot somebody out there that pitches the ball underhanded. I just want to see Mississippi State win the baseball series. And so I hope Emerson Hancock on Monday morning gets up feeling like a million dollars hope he makes a full recovery but it's after the weekend at Mississippi State nobody felt sorry for Mississippi State when JT Ginn missed a start nobody felt sorry for JT Ginn uh, when you know when he was having some arm soreness that that's just part of the deal okay nobody's going to say hey well you know Mississippi State you know, we're sorry you back in uh, 2017 we're sorry you only had you know four guys that could pitch and you had to depend on three position players to get you to end the SEC play, people forget that. We had Jake Mangum, Cole Gordon, and Brant Blaylock win games for us as pitchers that year. Nobody felt sorry for us. The NCAA didn't call and say, you know what, guys, listen, it's been a tough road for you guys. We're going to give you an extra out. It doesn't happen. Injuries are part of the game. So I'm not going to sit here and feel bad that is not at full strength. I don't care if Georgia shows up. They could forfeit all three games for all. I care. I'm just trying to, to see this team advance and have an opportunity to go to Omaha again and win an national championship. And the chances of us advancing this weekend are, are better because, in fact, Georgia's not at full strength. Injuries are part of the game. Over the long haul of, a full, of the grind of an SEC schedule, there are going to be people that miss time. Elijah McNamee has been a protective boot all week. Georgia didn't send him a fruit basket. That's not how it works. Georgia's pitching plans are still somewhat up in the air. Uh, I have read before today's show that uh, there is talk about Tony Losey, who is their regular Sunday guy, possibly moving up to Friday. I don't know if you would do that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you bring that guy on short rest. But I guess they could. That They could do that. Uh, and then... You know, you've got some other guys out there that possibility. You know, C.J. Smith's been their Saturday guy. They could bump him up a day. C.J. Smith, uh, one and two record on a year, six conference starts, 4.45 in the conference, 28 innings pitch allowed almost a hit per inning, uh, 14 earned runs, strikeout 21 to 8, strikeout to walk ratio, In conference play. He's been a little bit better overall, but not quite as good. Uh, and in uh, conference play and so we'll find out a letter today kind of what their plans are I'm sure it'll be a TBA type deal but um, we'll find out pretty early but here's the deal the bottom line is this is Mississippi State has to go out there and play good baseball We played pretty good baseball Tuesday night and we beat Ole miss you know it wasn't a an offensive explosion as you would expect you know in a non-conference pitcher pitching against you and and, and you got to give Zach Phillips credit did a good job but state wins that ball game eight to one and now we get ready to go play this deal here. This is a weekend, in many respects, that will kind of define Mississippi State's Southeastern Conference season. You find a way to win this thing, you stay in the game. You stay in it. And I've seen some people saying, hey, Steve, do you think we can sweep? Okay, well, let's just, you know, pump the brakes there in honor of Jake Wimberley and kind of cool the jets off a little bit. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We did that last weekend. We're like, well, you know, I felt like we were going to go win that series at Arkansas and we'd get swept. And sometimes those negatives can be positives, and so I think it's been a refocusing for Mississippi State this week. Good day of practice on Monday, big win on Tuesday. Let's go get it done on Friday. Looking at this Georgia lineup, I mean that you know they've got some guys that can swing the bats. Uh, L.J. Talley is a guy. It feels like he has been there forever. I mean, I mean, really, it does, and I'm sure they feel that same way about Jake Mangum. Uh, Talley's a senior as well. He you know, six two hundred 6'2", 203 pounds, and this is a guy that uh, kind of the stirred, that stirs the Georgia drink. 346 batting average, got 53 hits on the year, 6 homers, 30 RBIs. He, you know, he is a guy that you need to pay attention to. Uh, Aaron Shanks another guy It seems like he's been there forever and a day. Uh, he's a junior. I'm sure he'll come out this year, hopefully. Goodness gracious, I'm so tired of seeing this guy. Uh, 341 batting average, 7 home run, 30 RBIs, another productive guy. Lineup started every game for him this year. Uh, you get a little too deeper into it. They've got some guys that can really swing If They don't have a double-digit home run guy, but uh, Tucker Maxwell is a guy. He's only hitting two fifty six, but he leads them in home runs with 9, also 20 on RBI. And they've got some guys that can steal the bases, and Maxwell's one of them, 19 of 22 on the year. Randon Jernigan, 10 of 12 in stolen bases, but he's another guy, too, that uh, – Kind of a part-time starter, 25 starts in 37 games, but uh, they'll utilize him some too. But this is a Georgia lineup that offensively has not been exceptional. They have had some ball games that have uh, been pretty tight and been low-scoring. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Georgia's hitting 266 as a team. You know that that's you know not showing off, not falling behind, but certainly not exceptional. They've hit a few home runs, 42 as a team. Uh, it, and it's kind of spread throughout the order. Uh, they've all got a little pop. It's a different deal when you get to dirty no below. It is a different deal, you know, for sure. Uh, but the, but Georgia, the name of Georgia's game has been pitching. They, they have power arms. They have depth. And one of the things about them that makes them so difficult is, you know, it's one of the things that I, I concern myself with at times time when I think about Mississippi State is as our, as our, as our pitch mix. You know, sometimes even with Ethan Small, you know, we rely so much on the fastball and we were just kind of spotting up the fastball a little bit and then we throw a little bit of a breaker and and sometimes a change when it's there. But these guys from Georgia are going to be four and five pitch pitchers, these starters. I mean that that's what they do. They they throw a curveball, they throw a slider, they throw a change, they throw a two seamer, they throw a cutter. You know, they've got a lot going on. And so the just when you think you figured them out that second time through the order, all of a sudden they add a different pitch to the mix to keep you off balance. And so that's going to be big for State. We've got to find a way to strike early. And any, any runs early in ball games on Friday nights, they always seem to kind of stand up. And so, you know, State gets the one-run lead this while last week against Arkansas and simply couldn't hold it. But when you look at who Georgia has faced this year, it's one of those things, too, you look at it and you say, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. They have not had a difficult road series this year. They have not played – a team in a big time environment other than their own until this weekend. So the very first series of the SEC season, they go and sweep South Carolina. And so at the at the time, that seemed like a much bigger deal than it does today. Because South Carolina one of the worst teams in the conference. I mean I think everybody would, would agree to that. It's the South Carolina team has been a huge disappointment. I don't think people were expecting them to contend for the the conference championship, but I think most people expected them to have a solid team. So Georgia gets a loud sweep to open open the slate, and you think, okay, these guys are for real. Well, then they get LSU at their place. They lose that Friday night game, one nothing, and they come back and win the final two. And as you, I think we can all agree, LSU is not what many people expected them to be. There were some people that thought they were a national championship contender. I really thought they would contend for the SEC championship this year. I, I, I kind of bought into the hype because of what they returned. And when you look at what they have pitching-wise, it kind of makes sense they would be a little bit up and down. But uh, they win that series. So Georgia protects their home field and wins two out of three from LSU. The next weekend, they go to Kentucky. Kentucky, arguably the worst team in a conference. They win two out of three at Kentucky not a great environment not a difficult place to play not a team that's overly talented the one game they lost was a Saturday game 5-0 then they host Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt's a good team you know that they've been one of the elite teams in our league for a long time but they play them in Athens and Georgia protects the home turf and they win 2 of 3 they lose first game Friday night three two. They win on Saturday and they win a three one affair on Sunday. And that's one of the things that you'll notice too, with uh, with Georgia. But these pitching duels, they seem to be at their best. Well, then they go on the road to Tennessee. And they lose two out of three to Tennessee. They lose. They get shut out Friday. Pardon me. Thursday and Friday. And then they bounce back in game three and win seven one. And we kind of know from our experience in Tennessee. The ball flies during the day, which is what happened in that Saturday game. And Tennessee doesn't have great Sunday pitching. Like everybody else, they're struggling to find a Sunday starter. And so Georgia kind of does what, probably a disappointment that they lost that series. But, again, they go on the road, and Knoxville is not a difficult place to play baseball. It's just not. I mean, it's just there's, there's no really atmosphere to speak of there. Then last weekend, Georgia hosts Missouri, and they get the sweep. And so when you begin to look at this thing and really kind of pick it apart here, you say, okay, well, they did the things they were supposed to do, but they have taken advantage of some really bad teams in the East and swept them, right? And then the upper teams in the East have given them a little bit of trouble. And so when I look at this schedule and I begin to think, okay, yes, they have great frontline pitching, and, yes, they're winning a lot of baseball games. But if I look at the schedule and really dissect things down, I realize Georgia's kind of gotten by on beating some good to average teams to some terrible teams. They also lose the, uh, the season series to Georgia Tech, too. That's the, uh, the midweek deal. I think they played them three times. Yeah, and they lose two out of three uh, to Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech is a team that, that is on the cusp of potentially being a top eight national seed. I mean, they're, they're a team that, uh, that's kind of come on. So I will not be the least bit surprised to see Mississippi State win this series. And I think if you guys, we, we discussed it on Monday, that uh, I expect JT again to stay on Saturdays. Now that he's back, now that he's healthy, and you kind of give because you were kind of bumped up last week, you get that extra day. So you have Ethan Small going tonight against TBA. You have J.T. Ginn going tomorrow, and then we'll figure Sunday out. It'll probably be TBA for Mississippi State until then. We know Peyton Plumley threw 60 pitches on Tuesday night. I'm sure he could go an inning or two. And knowing Peyton, as competitive as he is, he'll go as, much, as long as we need him to go. Keegan James, just a one inning. So, you know, he's a guy that could potentially start. And then it's just kind of a Johnny Holstaff thing. I think it just kind of depends on who's available. You'll mix and match this thing all the way up on Sunday and it's kind of figured out. But this is a big, big series for a lot of reasons. But this is a very winnable series for Mississippi State. And, as again, as I said earlier, this will be the first time that this Georgia team has gone into a, a really hostile environment with a great team. Yes, South Carolina fans are going to turn out, but that South Carolina team is not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. So here's your uh, SEC weekend, uh, Kentucky – uh, Kentucky uh, is at Florida. LSU is at Alabama. And uh, LSU will be without Cole Henry. Did a good job against Mississippi State. Tennessee at Arkansas. South Carolina at Mizzou. And Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins in 11 innings last night. Georgia, uh, of course, be at Mississippi State. And then uh, Auburn at Vanderbilt. And I don't know if you saw that last night, but uh, you know Tanner Burns – Got uh, beat up in that deal. They had in a driving rainstorm. They should have stopped or you know delayed the game for a while. But he's out there pitching, and uh, they ended. Up, he ends up getting injured, and Butch Thompson really, 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 really got upset and uh, was ejected from the ball game. Auburn kind of rallied a little bit, but Vanderbilt put him away late, twelve uh, to six. But uh, so that was that's your action last night. So Ole Miss and Vanderbilt going for series clinching wins today. Uh, And then we'll see what happens. And that was one of the things a lot of people thought about with with, uh, A&M going into Ole Miss is that with all those left-handers in the lineup, that uh, A&M might be in line for a sweep, but Ole Miss kind of guts it out last night and wins. Uh, A&M had an opportunity to put that game away, and they blew it. I was watching the NFL draft, and you go back and check that thing out. Uh, Just looking at here, A&M takes a, uh, let's see, Ole Miss scores two in the eighth. Uh, to tie the game. And then, the, of course, it's a scoreless night. And then they get to the 11th. A&M takes a 4-3 to lead in the 11th. And then Ole Miss walks it off with uh, Thomas Dillard, two RBI uh, base hit there in the end. So uh big win for Ole Miss. Certainly needed it after losing two out of three to Auburn. And uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, today for all of them. But it is a big weekend, as they all are this time of year. We're looking at the uh, the standings right now before we get out of here. Uh, as I mentioned, Georgia leading the pack right now. But I, you know, and when you look at what's left for them, they got Alabama and Auburn left. You know, so it's one of those things you you look at the schedule and you begin to think, okay, there's not a lot of uh, I'm not left I'm not, uh, pardon me not a lot of room to work with here. But the bottom line is this: the um, you know Mississippi State's got some work to do to kind of get caught up in this deal, and uh, and the step one of that is is right now. Uh, but again, Georgia 13 and five, Vanderbilt now 13 and six, Arkansas 12 and six. That'll be interesting to watch. See how Arkansas kind of gets this thing together. Then, A&M and LSU right there together, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, everybody kind of right there, log there in the middle. In the East, it's pretty much Georgia, Vanderbilt, and everybody else. They've already played head to head, so there's there's not a lot of room. Uh, you know, not a lot of margin for error for the rest of us because uh, I think George and Vanderbilt have the easier schedules down the stretch. I want to remind you guys too, if you if you haven't done so, go to StarkVillains.com and order your Stark Villain gear. I get messages from time to time, people say, hey, this got my new stuff. We love it, and we thank you for your support. Again, StarkVillains.com, get the Stark Villain shirts. It's it's T-shirt wear and weather and go outfit yourself with a new maroon and white or black and white Starkville and church. You can even get a hoodie and kind of plan ahead. Excited to be a part of that. I spent I spent part of the day on Thursday, and I'll be back up there on Monday at the Mississippi State Library. And uh, I have never been to the Grant the Grant Library, the Presidential Library, and kind of looked at some of that yesterday. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, uh, Hunter Cloud, who is a sports editor for The Reflector, I spent some time with him yesterday. He kind of knows his way around up there. But we're able to get out some uh, old reflectors, uh, one from 1905 and uh, one from 1926 and, and 1946. And, and you look through these things, and I'm just in awe of it all. And uh, doing, you know, I'm in the final stages of uh, finishing up Stark Villains, the book. And uh, and so I was doing some research for, for, uh, for a historical chapter that, I, that I'm writing is, uh one of the earlier chapters in the book. And it's just it kind of struck me that here these words are were kind of put together you know by nineteen 20 year old kids, you know over a hundred years ago, and I'm about to cite some of that and bring it to a new generation. I'm about to tell some of these stories again, you know for new generations and document that going forward and It's very humbling you know when you begin to think about it, you know these are people that I, that I would have never known or met, but their accounts of things that matter to us. We're about to breathe some new life into that, and uh, it's it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to write this book. And I, and I'm kind of I told my agent the other day I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bummed because that part of the process is coming over, and so the creative process is is ending in about ten days. I'll be done with that, and then we'll do some edits and rewrites to be finished with everything. But um, but all that being said. Uh, I'm very, very excited for you guys to read this. There are some stories about your university and about your football programs and the way that your students acted and that sort of stuff that it's incredible type stuff. I and mean, you're going to laugh. And as I have said for many years, and I consider myself somewhat of a uh, Mississippi State almost rivalry historian of sorts, I'm very fascinated by the things that the two schools have done to each other over the years. But it's one of those things you look at and you kind of laugh and you realize this thing has been contentious from the beginning. You know We have these carpetbaggers that show up in the media and they, and they come in and say, well, you know, the robbery is so toxic. Well, you, you got here six months ago. What do you know? You don't know anything. And th- there will be some stories you're going to read in this and you're going to think to yourself, are you kidding me? I've got some stories from the 40s, and that's one of the things that I think is so great. And uh, when I took an inventory of kind of the where the book was headed, because these things kind of take on life of their own, I got a story from the 40s, and I include an interview. From 1940s, 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all the 2010s. So this this book's going to span what eight eight decades. You know, so we're going to have actual stories from the people that were involved in them, that took part in these things, whether they be ball games or you know capers or you know egg bowl rivalry stuff. There's going to be some things, and there's some things you're going to look at, you're going to read it, you're going to be incredibly proud, not just of the fact that Mississippi State won a ball game or that something big happened for Mississippi State. But you're going to be so proud of the Bulldogs that came before you, people that kind of paved the way through some very difficult times for us athletically, you know, some people that turned out and were part of things. And there's some tradition. There's some Egg Bowl tradition stuff. When you look back, it's really, really fun. And it should have been fun. But there were a lot of times we didn't win ball games. And uh, so, as a result, there was some, there was some angst that built up. And then, when we did win, it was almost like that we were stealing the birthright of the the school up north. So, eager for you guys to see it, and uh, eager to share with you guys, uh, you know, some of these great stories. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. We we'll back on Monday to kind of recap the weekend that was. We'll uh, we'll have an opportunity to to recap the draft and and uh, the SEC baseball weekend. And uh, I am expecting a big weekend on both fronts for Mississippi State. I hope you are as well. Come join us at Duty Noble Field as we prepare for Mississippi State to take on the University of Georgia in a huge SEC matchup. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it